Hi, I'm Chanel, digital marketing specialist, marketing coach, and owner of Ninky, a strategy and content marketing agency that helps businesses increase their online presence and build their brand community. If you're a marketing manager, CEO, or thriving business owner, this podcast is for you. Ninky Talks offers marketing tips, insights, and advice from industry professionals who know their sh**. If you dig the podcast, subscribe and share it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ninky Talks. Today, we are talking to the exceptional Nicola from Feeney Marketing. So Feeney Marketing is a strategy-focused marketing agency who specializes in end-to-end marketing strategy, branding, design, identity, and digital. Nicola also happens to be my old boss. I worked with Nicola for a couple of years, um, and we had a lot of fun, and I learned so much from her because she has been in the industry for over 30 years. So I'm very excited to unpack her 30-plus years of experience that I'm sure all of our listeners will benefit from. Welcome, Nicola. Well, thank you, Chanel, for having me and inviting me on. It's very exciting and um, for that lovely introduction. And it was fun. We had a good time for those few years where we were working together. It was good, a lot of fun. We did. Um, so do you want me to expand on Feeney? Would love to. Tell us about you. Tell us about the agency. So we call ourselves Feeney now, just in terms of vernacular, rather than Feeney Marketing, because I suppose we're a little bit of, we're not really a, a, a true, marketing is a very confused term, particularly now post-digital, as we're getting into our 15 years, you know, post-digital, very much in the trenches there. So we call ourselves Feeney only because we are a strategic marketing agency. We start at the top and we we really work on that strategic piece with the business um, because essentially the marketing strategy should bolt up into the business strategy. And if a business doesn't have its own strategy, then we're always we're always in that that headwind trying to, you know, so we we work on we work with them from that perspective first. So hence we call ourselves Feeney because we're a bit of a balance between business and marketing strategy, uh, because we try and kind of stitch and thread those things together because we find we get the best result. Um we have a team of 10 um, and we're split between the creative team. Well, not split, but we have a creative team dedicated and a marketing team dedicated. Um, and we off, we're obviously in the same big space. And we work together everything from um, research projects and MPD and MPS right through to activation um, and the tactical, set, um, tactical end. Amazing. So I think one of the things that makes you so unique, and I think it's just so important, is the fact that you don't just look at marketing, you also look at the business. Something that I've been saying a lot, and I've mentioned in this podcast a couple of times, is marketing can be magical, but it's not magic. And you can do as much marketing as you like, but if you don't look inward at how you're running your business and how you're treating your customers and what your processes and systems look like, no amount of marketing is going to make, it's not going to increase your your revenue at all. So the fact that you don't just look at the marketing, but you look inwards at the business, um, I think is fantastic. And I think that more agencies need to start taking that into account because I know that we've, taken on some projects and once we start getting into them we go oh my gosh it doesn't matter what you guys do there's just so many fundamental flaws in your business that need to be addressed so 
on that note, um, over your years and experience working with all of these businesses, what do you think are sort of like the top three biggest mistakes that businesses are making or the biggest sort of pitfalls they're falling into, whether it be with how they're running their business or how they're handling their marketing? Well, I think um, the first one would be that they don't have that that architectural framework that provides the guidance for those critical actions that need to happen. That's the first one that we often see. Um, and the second one is that people come to us um, with what they think is the solution. And I could go on about how that's how I see that as the industry unraveling um, mm-hmm. because we have so many specialist agencies, whether it's a website, whether it's a digital, whether it's a social media, whether it's a design, whether it's purely advertising. So we have all these specialists. I'm moving my hands around here. Um, and often a client will walk in and go, we we need our new web, we need a new website. So okay, well, let's just take a couple of steps back for a minute. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is also a big problem in that the the client will come to us with the solution that they want us to. And we're not a cookie cutter. We're not going to say, oh yeah, we we'll do that for you. But unfortunately, a lot of people go to a website company or a digital agency and say, we need to be on Facebook or we need a website. Now, of course, and everyone's commercial, they're going to say, sure, we'll build a website for you. And then that unravels because the website isn't going to actually achieve for them what they wanted it to achieve because they've got problems with their pricing strategy. They've got problems with their consumer segmentation. They've got problems Mm. with um, competitors they've got problems with the brand they've got pro- all these insurmountable problems mm-hmm. um, and so the website company's done what it's been asked to do but the client isn't getting the result and so therefore marketing becomes you know I spent all this money marketing and it didn't do anything so that's the second big problem and I'd probably see those two as the biggest two um, I could scratch around for 10 more but I think mm-hmm. they're the biggest two that <clears throat> I think inherently people need to have an architectural framework that says these are the critical actions we need to take to reach our objective of what. What is your objective? And it could be often it's we want to sell more. Okay, well, everybody needs to sell more because that's what business is. It's about selling shit. Um, But is it about gaining more market share? Is it about entering new markets? Is it about, you know, making more of an e-commerce um, solution for your distribution? Is it about um, export? Is You know, there's so many things. Um, is it about new product development so or new product services? Where are the opportunities, the gaps in the market? What do you do well and how can we actually facilitate what you ca- currently do from your capabilities to really lean into those opportunities? So a lot of that goes on as well, um, which inherently becomes a problem. And I think Marketing per se, as it is today, is a very fragmented discipline, um, which is very problematic for because you've got a very, you know, years ago when you had your your mass media, the big brands were, they had it all. They had TV, they had print, they had, you know, all the other bells and whistles that go with it because they had the budget. Now we've got this long, skinny tail where everyone can actually advertise themselves. Mm. Um, And so that inherently means that if people spend a lot of resources and that could be their time, their effort, whatever, um, and they spend a lot of money um, trying to um, advertise themselves or promote themselves on digital channels without first saying, okay, 
let you know, and it might be AI or it might be VR, or it might be Facebook, or it could be TV or radio. But without doing that strategic piece first, you know, let's not jump to the solution. You know, mm. everyone wants to jump to that. So there's four pillars of four things in marketing that we talk about. We talk about price, promotion, distribution, um, 4P and place. So price, place, promotion and product. Sorry, they're the four. Yeah. Everyone jumps to promotional end first because there's so much in that bucket. There's TV, there's radio, there's um, website, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's TikTok, there's this, there's that. There's so many things that it's easy. It's like, well, I can I can choose those things because they're going to get me where I want to, to be. Um, and then they look at their price and go, oh, it's not working, so let's do a two-for-one offer. So, but nobody looks at at the holistic side of things and goes, well, maybe our product's wrong. Maybe our target segmentation is wrong. It's not about just the right message at the right time on the right on the right platform. Mm. It's it's a little bit that there has to be a lot more segmentation. And I think we're actually leaning into the great unsubscribe soon. I think a lot of that um, uh, meaningless messaging is going to. Um, really have a bit of a drag in the chain because people are just bombarded with too many messages all the time and they're just mm. really tired of being sold to. It's not about what you sell, it's about what you say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's a very long-winded answer, but the two no, main ones it's, are. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. It's just, um, you know, there's so many bright and shiny platforms that are constantly coming up. And as an agency owner myself, I know what it's like being on the receiving end of someone picking up the phone and going, I'm not on TikTok. I, sh- I really need to be on TikTok. Everyone's on TikTok and I go, well, you know, hang on a minute. Let's, let's backtrack a little bit and let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's see if you actually need to be there. Um, So I think there's a lot of distraction because people are wanting to be on all these bright, shiny platforms that aren't necessarily, you know, right for their, um, right for their business um and just what you were saying earlier you know your experience in the industry you've worked with a lot of offline marketing and online marketing and you've got experience in both and how those integrate beautifully together um over your time in the industry what have you seen to be the most powerful um so so let's say we've got our strategy sorted you know we've got all those four p's price product placement promotion in place our businesses you know top top notch in ship shape to go, what have you seen to be the most powerful platforms um, over the years? Well, I think that's another mistake we make as marketers. We believe that marketing happens in a vacuum. So we're going to get our strategy all done, our architectural strategy and then our marketing strategy, and then from that falls all the other different strategies. So the brand strategy, the digital strategy, the social media strategy, the advertising strategy, the pricing strategy, the distribution strategy. But not one of those things actually occur in a vacuum. You have other things that are outside of your organisation that have an impact, Um, and that could be... um, your competitors. It could be conditions in the market, you know, and we've seen a lot of that in the last two years. So it's not, It. I don't truly believe a marketing agency can put their hand on their heart and say, we did that and that's why it was successful because mm-hmm. I think there's other things that actually come into that. So have I seen one particular platform or one particular execution that has absolutely nailed? No. I can't put my hand on my heart and say it was just because of that because I think there are market conditions, a lot of luck, um, 
you're looking at opportunities, you're finding those opportunities, you're building something. So for example, um, I'll give you a real life example, which we've just done. We have been working with a company called Direct Collect, which, um, the, and I always think examples give people, you know, a great um, insight into how it all works. Mm. So <clears throat> they came to us with, with an idea they had the capabilities to bring the idea to market, but they didn't have the brand. They had something, but it wasn't going to really um, knock it out of the park. So we, we did a lot of in-depth brand strategy work and we did a large piece of research um, talking to 30,000 households in South Australia to see how their um, motivation and attitude and what happened, what have you um, impacted on recycling for bottle and can containers, the 10-cent bottle and can, can containers. And that informed us as to pricing, um, subscription models, all that kind of thing, and also the um, sentiment about donating, you know, any of your cans and bottle um, refundable deposits. So that was a, a really valuable piece of work. And then we went about, um, there was obviously an app being built in the back end, which was a huge investment for them, but heading to the app and just doing it wasn't actually going to cut it. So there needed to be a website interface that could actually tell people and show people what it was all about. So there needed to be some uh, some video elements and some key language around, you know, what it actually um, was. And then we looked at the um, activation of that particular brand and how we were going to activate it into market. So there are a number of things in play. Um, one was, you know, they were ordering bigger trucks and we were signing the trucks and we were having to make the bins and do all those kind of things, which put a bit of a drag in terms of supply. They didn't want to overstimulate supply and find that they couldn't meet that supply. So we were a little bit cautious in, in, in the launch. So the first thing we did, um, we recommended that they activate at the Royal Adelaide Show last year. Um, simply because um, we were able to reach, you know, half a million household or half a million people. Um, and the majority of those were, you know, mums and dads with kids. So that's what we did first. And we used that as a as a, um, a mechanism to get people to sign up on the spot. And it was a great, it was a, you know, great success. And then from there, we went online just to introduce it online through some, you know, fairly decent investment to introduce it and get that awareness piece out there and elicit sign up. And then we did some summer in sport promotions over the cricket season with, with one of the radio stations to really sink it into the sporting club area and, you know, a lot of drinking cans and bottles at the cricket and all that kind of thing. And now we're actually in mass market. So we're on we're on buses and we're on um, billboards and we're also doing a lot of online, um, or not a lot, but, you know, we are supporting that through that online um, sign-up now kind of message. Um, and that's worked exceptionally well. We've also done some PR. We're also working another part of the strategy, which is... Um, working with um, charities and sporting clubs so that we can make sure that they get the best outcomes for, for how they're, you know, obviously promoting it to their subscribers or their donors and their databases because that in itself does a lot, a lot of um, heavy lifting for us because they themselves want people to allocate them as the charity that they're going to give their $30 bin money to. 
Um, and so they have a vested interest in getting as many people to choose them as their as their charity of choice. So that is a good example of um, a new product that now we could have given it a name, put a website out there and just shoved it into to social media and thought, let's go. But we didn't. We actually looked at all of the things that were available to, available to us. We had a look at market forces and, you know, different seasonalities and, you know, their capabilities. What could they actually do and how many households could they service? What suburbs were they going to be in? What suburbs weren't they in? Um, and we really segmented the target audience um, and we were able to identify which was the best households, even down to the suburbs where they lived. Um, and that that's obviously not we, – we work, I suppose, a little bit higher up the food chain in that we have those specialty areas within the agency, but we we look at that total business picture first before we um, um, jump to any solution. Um, and I think one of the big things that the industry is probably lacking is very solid, decent general marketers. Um, there are a lot of marketers who are specialists and we all need specialists. I'm not, not saying we don't. We do need those those areas of specialty, um, but you still need that generalist marketer who can actually pull the levers and know how to manage um, the, the the marketing of an organisation. And often mm. we find that even if there is a CMO or a, or a marketing manager, the expectation on marketing managers these days is exceptionally difficult um, and you can't do it all but we also don't never want to position ourselves as an outsourced marketing company mm. um, because I don't believe that works I don't think it's a sustainable model I think we like to see ourselves as a plug-in strategic marketing company that is unencumbered by any particular solution we like to really helicopter we call it the helicopter up by 15,000 feet and we look at all things so I think the main thing um you can't put your hand on your heart and say radio is going to be the absolute you know winner in this because no product no brand no business operates in a vacuum there are other forces that come into play um so agility knowledge Having a, you know, a one-year marketing plan is always good, but you still have to be agile and be able to, because surprises come in all the time, whether it's through raw materials or, you know, you can't get your bits and pieces from overseas or there's, you know, a, an interest rate rise or whatever that might be, there are things that, that compact into that. And I think a lot of marketers need to start being more friends with the finance department too, because mm. the finance department, if the finance, if the CFO understands that your major objective is to gain market share because there's an opportunity and, and you know, there's particular areas of this particular industry that is going to be growing, they're going to be more inclined to back the budget and to say, yeah, we'll invest in that rather than... Um, you know, just going along your merry way and, and going up to the board or to the management and saying, you know, we want $100,000 because we want to advertise. Well, it's kind of just, it's it's just, it's ludicrous, really. It's mm. nonsensical to think that that is, that is going to get over the line in a, in, a, in a board environment. Yeah, I agree. And you made some really stellar points there and two of them stood out in particular. The first one being that, that you do need... Because I think initially, you know, a couple of years ago when I started in digital, I knew 
quite a lot about a lot of different platforms, but that's not sustainable because they just keep coming. So people choose to specialize in those individual platforms. But then what happens is that you don't have that generalist marketing person. And I also think that when you look to a marketing agency, you've got to also find out whether they've got sales experience or like business experience, because you can't see marketing in isolation. Like I feel like my experience working in sales has made me a better marketer because I understand the psychology of, of, of a sale. Um, And so I think that for anyone who's listening, who's thinking of outsourcing to an agency or bringing an agency in to help with their marketing, make sure that you ask the right questions to determine what their actual business acumen is and, you know, what what marketing experience they have to understand all of these integrated aspects that Nicola's talking about, because you can hear as she's talking and it's, it's, it's so enchanting to, to, to watch and to listen to is it's not just an isolated thing. You can't look at one platform. You can't just look at marketing. You have to look at online line offline the business the price you've got to look at everything otherwise it's not going to work and the second point that you made and I was like you can't see me because this is a podcast but I was nodding my head furiously is that I feel that we really need to reset the expectations of what a marketing manager or a marketing agency is responsible for because what I've seen a lot of is that um marketing agencies are hired to try and solve business problems and that's actually not our role um, and you're right, the expectations of marketing managers these days is is, is insane. Um, so yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, so predictions, it's sort of a new year. It's, it's April 2023. You mentioned earlier that um, you said that we're going to see, what did you call it? The flow of the unsubscribe or the year of the unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that. I think that's going to be a bit of insidious fog. It's just going to start to lift and all of a sudden we're going to go, oh. I think there's a number of things that, oh, well, there's so many things that have changed in the last, you know, 15 years. Um, but I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, AI is here. Um, and I think there's a, I think that's going to contribute to a lot of more meaningless content that is out there. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And as a result of that, we're going to see the stop, the unsubscribe and just the the glaze over. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, we could talk about, you know, um, digital recording and impressions and all of that kind of thing, which I really do, you know, there's a lot of discussion, in, you know, in boardrooms about how real is it? Because if you look at the data sets that you're presenting, um, you know, you've got a million impressions. Well, where is that data coming from? It's coming from Meta. Um, surprise, mm. that's why it's saying you've got a million impressions because mm. you're actually reporting on the data from, it's the same with TV and radio, you know, you're only as good as statistics that are delivered to you. So I think we're going to see a lot more um, questions asked um, about the effectiveness of, of digital. Um, I'm not saying it's not a necessary um, part of the marketing strategy. I think it's very much part of it. But I think there's a lot of wastage. Um, there's a lot of wastage in resources and in investment in um, in digital. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't invest in it. You definitely should, but be careful of your strategy um, exactly. and don't. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I think as a result of that, I actually think the the digital um, paid performance marketing side of things will become more um, AI driven. So what my, and don't 
I could, this is just me, I don't have any data to support it, but I think you're going to see um, a lot of digital agencies that have had a great time over the last 10 years start to, to flounder. So the good ones will probably get picked up, picked up by people coming in because Australia's lagging from our European and, and, and um, overseas. And so those bigger agencies overseas that are a lot more um, robust and have a lot depth, more depth of knowledge will start to come in. They'll, they'll probably buy up the small good ones and then the smaller digital agencies will probably just fall off a cliff. Um, or they'll try and backtrack and buy into or acquire, um, you know, a video production company or a brand agency and they'll all try and meddle together because I don't think digital as a standalone um, will have the test of time for the next five years, but that's only my observation. I do my... agree with that, though, and I've, I'm seeing that happen already in merry old Adelaide, you know, um, there's a shitload of agencies here. I'm amazed at how many they are and they keep popping up. And I, I won't mention any names, but, you know, I, I know small agencies that aren't being acquired by bigger agencies for that exact reason is that people need, you know. We need but those bigger agencies will have 700 software engineers and they're investing in technology. Mm-hmm. So the digital agencies are, um, are going to become um, more technological and they're going to be um, um, leaning into more AI. So it'll come to a point where there'll be, there'll be a huge, this is just me looking at over 35 years, looking at the, the, the new kids on the block and the, you know, the sweet spots and all the, you know, shiny new stuff. Um, the, there will be a fork in the road where some will just not keep performing um, and just, you know, either merge with other people and we'll we'll see a constriction of the number of fragmented digital agencies we have and others will be will be um, siphoned and bought up by, I think, more overseas or maybe interstate if we're talking just SA. Mm. And I think that for the mums and the dads and that really Scott long skinny tail I talked about, you know, earlier, which is a great tale to be in if you've got a small business and you're an emerging mumpreneur or an entrepreneur, you can actually tap into that digital um, market and, you know, invest some, you know, some small budgets in there. But that's all going to be very much automated. So you're not going to need a digital agency because mm-hmm. they're going to work with the AI and you're going to be able to t- type in your target audience, your age bracket, this, that and the other, and they're going to simplify that. So it's going to become a lot more user-friendly and the interface is going to be a lot more easier for people to see. The bigger agencies, the big ones that are, you know, swallowing up the good smaller ones, um, they'll continue to try and grow, but their investment will be more in the IT and the technology side. Um, and they'll be they'll be engaging people who are great in analytics, people who are great in, in engineering software, that kind of thing. Because if you think about digital agencies, um, well, the ones that I'm thinking of, um, the smaller kind of mid-sized one, generally it's it's rare that they have a, a big marketing um, experience. A lot of them don't. Um, they um, are certainly not um, trained in eng- any kind of engineering software capability. Some are, but but some aren't. Um, and the the problem with marketing is that we are such an unregulated industry that anyone with a laptop and a lounge room can say I'm a marketer. 
Mm. And that also in itself has a problem because how do we actually improve the reputation of marketing when we have all of that going on? And and clients aren't, I have never had a client come to me and say, show me your qualifications, show me your license to market. There is no license that you need to be a marketer. You could You could be anything. You could be anyone. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. And I'm not saying that you have to have, you know, a diploma or a degree in marketing. But I think, you know, builders have to have a license in order to mm. build a house. They have to have some experience. Show me your portfolio. of. And I think marketing, we can. there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And from that comes a lot of wastage, a lot of um, a long way, the wrong way. And with that, the reputation of good marketers starts to come into question or marketing as a discipline comes into question because. Yeah, um, I I agree. And one of my pet hates is when people call me a a, a digital guru or a marketing guru because I just think, oh, God, Um, it's it's, it's one of my pet peeves. And it's, it's also one of my bugbears that there is no regulation for marketing because often and you'll know you know people ring you up and they say oh you know I've worked with a marketing agency before and this happened and this happened and there's always two sides to a story it's not always the marketing agency's fault but it's so unregulated so I wish that there was some sort of body that could be put in place to um, keep the riffraff out because they are giving marketers a bad name and people are having terrible experiences and they're blaming marketing when um, yeah it's it's that's not necessarily the case so I think finding a way to regulate marketing would be fantastic um and i'm getting the oscar music here because i've got about two minutes left before zoom self-destructs but i really wanted to talk more a little bit about the ai the ai side of things um so so what um what positions do you think humans can where should humans be and where should ai be um, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I've got a content agency and I wrote a couple of uh, articles around AI and what the pros and cons are and what you should and shouldn't use it for because I think that there may be some things that you can use it for but I wouldn't rely on it because the internet is about to be flooded with absolute crap because of AI. Um, give me one example of where a human should stay doing human work that should not be done by a robot. I'm a Seuss. I'll take Look, it. <laughs> I think just very quickly because I think we're running out of I think AI has a place in many, many industries, marketing included. Um, I think it can do a lot of heavy lifting. But what, what AI can't do is um, feel. It doesn't have any empathy. Um, and some would argue that it can, eventually it can. But anything that we are using AI for has been generated by a human being, basically. Mm. Uh, so I think AI has a place in lots of pockets of area, even in marketing. Um, we tried to scrape a website the other day and we were, we were, you know, tinkering around with some AI tools and what have you. So I think there is going to be some real value in AI. Where I think um, we have to tread carefully with AI in marketing, if we're talking about it just in a marketing capacity, is copyright. I think that's going to, and also in any of the arts, actually, whether it's music, whether it's visual arts, whether it's copywriting, I think, uh, sorry, copy, as in, you know, mm-hmm. developing copy, we have to be, you know, they're working on that, as, as I'm led to believe. Um, 
But I think if you just go absolutely crazy with AI for things like copywriting or design work or uh, music um, curation or any kind of um, visual um, graphic pieces, I think we are really starting to tread in very murky water because I think it will um, um, underestimate um, creativity Mm. Um, and I don't think you can replace that human interaction. And um, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about, you know, we measure impressions by the scrolling of the screen. What what they can't measure is when I put my thumb on a particular photo and I'm sitting in a, in at the dinner table, not that I'd have my phone at the dinner table, but yeah, so if I'm holding my thumb down on a on a photo, then Facebook or Meta actually counts that as an impression, but I might not be paying attention to it. So it's that whole how much attention are we actually generating? So impressions are one thing, but it's that how much attention of, of that person do you actually have in that given moment? And that's where I think AI can't measure or, you know, any kind of um, AI can't measure that. It can only measure what it thinks you're doing without actually seeing that person physically on their phone. You can, yeah, you can measure links and clicks and things like that. But impressions, it's all just rubbish. Mm. I just don't believe that you can you can put your hand on your heart. And, yes, you might have got impressions of so many billions, but, you know, did you have an impact? Did that actually make a difference? Did it make somebody think differently? And I think that's where we run in the problem of a lot of technology-based um, platforms and also um, reporting. On those, on those campaigns that we have online, I think, you know, that that is going to be, and I think AI is just going to add to that now. It's just going to add to that, you know, there's going to be even more things people can choose to do from an electronic basis and an artificial intelligence basis. Um, so that's where we need to step away and we need to build the architecture around the brand, the business, the company, and then from there have a marketing plan and then that cascades down to whether it's a comms plan, a brands plan, a you know, social media plan, a digital plan, and all of those are very prescriptive in their own way and all of those have to have their independent strategies. But unless all of those strategies understand what the number one just cause and what is the one thing that the business is trying to achieve, if we don't actually have that internally communicated, then everyone's going to go off in their own little corners with their crayons and do their own thing. Mm, absolutely. And I think you've raised another excellent point around the reporting side of things. Um Reporting's a beast. I mean, that's a whole podcast episode in itself. And I think that when, you know, if, if you're a CEO or a business owner listening to this and thinking of working with an agency, making sure that you are really, really clear on what those meaningful metrics are. So not just looking at vanity metrics or metrics that don't actually shift the bottom line or contribute to that big picture that Nicola's talking about. So making sure that you've got a really clear architecture um, that sets up that reporting so that you can actually have meaningful metrics that that influence what you're trying to influence um and finishing up just on your point about about ai um you said something that is is, is my favorite thing to say about ai is that it doesn't have empathy and for me as a as an empath a chronic chronic empath um empathy is such an important skill to have as a marketer because as marketers we have to put ourselves in the shoes of our clients ideal customers and we have to really understand what their fears frustrations needs and desires are and then build a strategy around that um and ai doesn't have that sort of um have that sort of intellect 
Um, so I think that businesses do need to be very selective on how they use AI. And I gave an example in one of the articles I wrote where I was saying that, you know, one thing that our agency gets brought on to do quite a lot is to develop key messages for brands and key messages for business. And those key messages are very strategic pieces of copy that there's no way in hell an AI would be able to write that. Maybe they'd be able to, you know, an AI can punch out a blog or it can punch out, you know, average captions. Um, but there's certain things like brand copy and key messages that you just couldn't get an AI to do. So I think um, businesses really need to educate themselves on what AI should and shouldn't be used for. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nicola, you no, are just... I, a... I completely agree with that. I do. Mm. Um, and just one, just backtracking on reporting, I always say to our clients, if the campaign's working, you won't need a report. You'll know. You'll know, 100%. They, yeah. they do. The reports only get sticky when they're investing a lot of money and they can't see the needle moving. That's when you come into the the gloves on and you're getting in there and they're saying, I don't understand that metric. Well, they don't need to understand anything if they're actually seeing it actually work on their end. Mm, mm, no, you're quite, you're quite right. I mean, sometimes you work in businesses where all their, their, their job is just to sit and nitpick, but you're, you're quite right. If it's working, then you might need a report. Yeah. And they put reporting in the scope and they charge for it. It's like, oh, that's silly. Uh, like uh, this should be part of what you do as a good marketer is reporting back to your board or your business or your client. And look, truly, if, 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 a, if a campaign's working or the marketing strategy that you're activating is working, then they're not banging down your door saying, where's the report? Exactly. No, quite right. Um, Nicola, you're just a wealth of knowledge and I could sit and listen to you talk all day because you've just got so much experience and you're such a captivating speaker. So thank you so much for making the time to chat to me today. And please do let our listeners know where they can get in touch with you. Uh, well, feenymarketing.com.au, is our, which our website is in, in going to be a new website coming soon. It's been waiting for a while, um, but we're working very solidly on that. Um, and also on LinkedIn, you can either follow Feeny Marketing on LinkedIn or myself um, at Nicola Feeny. Um, and we're also on Instagram and, and Facebook. But yeah, whichever, whatever takes your fancy. We're not whatever on TikTok. Boat. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let us yeah. know if you need a hand with that. That's our, that's our jam. Um, thank you All so right. much, Nick. It was so lovely to see you. Enjoy Darwin. Thank you, cool. thank you so much. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ninky Talks. If you did, please review and subscribe. See you next time.